On this show, we talk with a lot of people who've taken their dreams of adventure and exploration and created their own reality. And I hope it inspires you to do the same, to start now, imagine your ideal adventure and put that into action. We've heard so many stories from people who have overcome incredible obstacles. Like for instance, Lisa Morris, who didn't even ride a bike until she and Jason Spafford took off on their own motorcycle journey around the world, and they're still on it. Or like Joe Rust, who overcame being robbed and having her life threatened while she rode around Africa, of all places, and that was on her own. She was by herself. And of course, there's Dave Barr, who set two Guinness Book World Records, one for riding to the four extreme geographical corners of the Australian continent in 45 days, and the other for crossing Northern Europe, Russia, and Siberia on a motorcycle in the dead of winter. And the motorcycle was a Harley Davidson, no less. Oh yeah, and in case you haven't heard that episode, Dave has no legs. And I hope these stories that you hear on Adventure Rider Radio are informative and fun and interesting, but most of all, I want you to be inspired. Inspired to tackle your own adventure, be it a few days, weeks, months, or years. And when you do, I want you to share the stories. Because telling our story goes back to our furthest descendants, and it's the only way to truly remember it yourself. You know, they say that the best way to retain a new skill or piece of information you've acquired is to teach it to another. In that teaching, the retelling of the story or the showing of the skill is the foundation for remembering in your own mind. And in many ways, it allows your story to live on. Zoe Cano lived in the UK. She had no money, no time, and most of all, no way to get her beloved Triumph Bonneville over to the United States for her dream trip. She wanted to ride just her and her Bonneville across the United States, ended up being 9,000 kilometers. She wanted to explore the back roads and backwaters of America in search of lesser known and forgotten places. In four years of planning, saving, and, and working through how to get a bike, Zoe found herself riding across the United States during the hottest summer on record. And why did it turn out for her? Well, a bunch of reasons, but they all stem from two things, a dream and a resolve that it will happen no matter what. Zoe Cano wrote a book about her trip, and it's called Bonneville, Go or Bust. Today, you meet Zoe Cano. Cano and my Bonneville here in London and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. We got a good one for you. Zoe Cano is going to talk about her book Bonneville Go or Bust. If you still got time you can run over to Amazon and download it for your Kindle while we talk about it. Bonneville Go or Bust is uh, published by Road Dog Publications, and the writer is, of course, as you already know, Zoe Cano, which we've connected with at her home in London, the United Kingdom. Hi, Zoe. Welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you today. You've written a book about a trip that you've done across the U.S., but let me start off by you know, going right back to the beginning. I think you're a convert from scooters to motorcycles, <laughs> and can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you started the conversation in that way, because I don't think we should ever forget that, you know, it's not just motorbikes. There are other forms of two wheel transport out there. And I think when you're young, I went to uh, when I left school, I moved over to Paris and I lived over there for almost 10 years. And it was thanks to a amazing friend who was on the factory floor of Peugeot at the time the they'd just been starting manufacturing the new scooters and that was probably back in the 80s um and the the idea was he could get them at pretty uh, cheap prices which for me at that stage was very interesting i hated taking the uh, the underground the metro and um the the bus system um got the scooter and basically never looked back you know you can imagine um you know, riding through the streets of Paris, being able to park up on the pavements, you know, there's no restrictions, total freedom. So, yes, it was fantastic. And from there you got uh, a Bonneville. And from what I understand, that was your first and it is your only bike right now. How did you get there? <laughs> um, I'd just come back from the U.S. and uh, from where I'd lived and worked. And um, I'd been sort of in a, in a sort of a lifestyle where um, I didn't sort of look at the uh, the bills very often, as in I had quite a bit of money that I used to uh, earn. Things changed dramatically and um, I had to downscale, sell the car and uh, look at ways of uh, transport. And I went back to the two wheels and I took my full bike license, which must be about eight years ago. And funnily enough, the um, the bike which I saw in the, the school was a Bonneville. And I've never looked back since. I When I first saw it, I thought, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. And I think that's what actually got me to, to pass the test. So, uh, yes, it's a 2001 790cc, beautiful racing green and uh, gold. Um, and it's um, been with me for now, as I said, about eight years. We've traveled together across Europe and uh, throughout uh, the UK. Now, clearly, anyone who knows you or has read your book or who will know you from this interview uh, will understand there was a change from using that two-wheeled transportation to a real love and passion for this motorcycle and motorcycles in general. Where was the transition, or, or can you even point at it and talk about it? Um, from what? From when I started riding the actual motorbike? Well, at first, you're talking about it as it's transportation. I mean, you're downsizing. Mm. You're going to something that's that's economical to ride. But somewhere in there, you mm -hmm. developed a real passion and a love for this, and in particular, Triumph Motorcycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's about the freedom. I think it's about the thrill. I think it's the fact that you're in control. I think the fact that you're outside, you're not in an um, enclosed area. Um, such as a car and um, it's it's I, I was brought up uh, in the countryside I used to ride horses and we used to go hunting and it's it's that same feel it's that exuberance of freedom and I think if you are you know a free spirit and I know that sounds a bit naff you know but you can sort of come and go when you want and I think because I'd already been um, in Paris on, on scooters the fact that I was now on a much more powerful beast so they say um, that in itself created this excitement and adrenaline and the, the beauty of the Bonneville is something that, um, you know, I was very proud to to be associated with. Um, and it's it's just something which appeals to me. I think the, the style is beautiful and um, I just love it. Absolutely. We're going to talk about your book, Bonneville, Go or Bust, and your adventure that made you write this book. But before that, you've done some other adventures like rowing the Thames, um, walking parts of the Wall of China, horseback riding yeah. across the Andes, and then the motorcycle trip. In these adventures, are you searching for something? And what is it? What a lovely question. 
Um, I'm a very happy individual within myself. And I think for a lot of sort of either long distance or endurance or solo travellers, I think you initially have to be happy with yourself. Um, so for me, it's always a joy to be able to go off on an excursion or go off on a trip um, on my own. But again, I'm never lonely. I'm, alo I'm, I'm alone, but I can always obviously meet people. So that's a big difference in that. But no, I think generally the, the adventures that I have had have given me joy and freedom for whatever length of stay or time I've been doing them. Um, so I think it, they can also become a little bit addictive. <laughs> you know, the trip was uh, being planned for across America. Um, you know, I'd sort of said to people, oh, this is only just going to be, you know, one off. And obviously, I think with any sort of seasoned traveler or somebody who, you know, would prefer to go traveling and spend their money traveling than buying new clothes or whatever, um, it is something that you achieve that. And then you're sort of starting to think, well, you know, when is the next one? That's interesting because as with this book that we're going to talk about, Bonneville, go or bust, that wasn't the purpose of the trip, nor were your other trips. Uh, there was no uh, agenda there as far as coming out and writing a story or it's not like you're a travel writer. No. These are driven from within. This is this is a desire to experience mm -hmm. things in life from within you. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, I've got nothing to prove. Um, and this was why I was a little bit daunted by the fact that I'm, I'm a very private person and all of this sort of coverage with the media this year has been quite overwhelming because I am a very, very um, private person. I, I'm very discreet and I, it's something which I'd, I'd done for myself. So the fact that I was going to be putting it out there was in itself a little bit frightening because I'm thinking, well, I, I not in a selfish way, but I, I, I travelled for myself, not to sort of show off or to tell people, you know, what I've done. It was just more of a sort of a... I don't know if you if you want to sort of say a spiritual awakening, but it was just a, it's a comfort for me. I just love the fact that I'm on new roads and I'm traveling and doing things. So the fact that when this book was being written, all I could really do was write for my heart and just be an honest sort of person as to how I felt about it. And I think initially uh, the family sort of said, uh, my mother particularly, she said, well, just write what you want to do, you know, and and it doesn't, you know, and we never thought it would even get published. So the fact really was it was possibly just a story for us so that, um, you know, I could remember where I went, what I did and the number of people I met and the beautiful conversations and, you know, the, the fact that people actually opened up and started talking to me. I thought that was incredible. Um, and that in itself was worth, you know, a few stories in the book. Well, there's a certain amount of vulnerability to it, isn't there? You're opening yourself up to when you write a book mm. and you talk about your adventure and your perceptions of things. You are exposing yourself and, you know, your innermost thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, um, you know, you, it's, it's a challenge, it's a risk. And I think the last thing anybody wants is to be beaten up or, or criticised. I mean, obviously, famous people, actors and um, performers, you know, I guess they get that all the time. But I mean, the world is a tough enough place as it is, isn't it, to be criticised by then total strangers. Um, but I, I think I'm quite a hardened person. And I think, you know, the fact that um, it was, you know, um, read and reread by Mike uh, from Road Dog, the publication company, that in myself inspired me and sort of reassured me that obviously if that was going to be picked up, then, you know, there was at least some belief from um, somebody involved in, 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 in the book and the publishing business. Yeah, from what we saw in the in the pre-show research, we just keep seeing reviews as five star, five star, five star, and people yeah, raving it, about it. Yeah, it's incredible, so. and that's that's very very kind of you to mention that, and I, I appreciate that. And it's um, 
you know, I, I, I've always been a high achiever in everything I've done in my life. And um, what makes me happy is the fact that because it's received the good reviews, hopefully it'll give other people that inspiration to follow their dream and, you know, get little bits of snippets of information that might sort of help them along the way. And as I said, not necessarily an adventure bike journey. You know, they could go off and do it in a car or, or do or do whatever adventure they need to, to do in their lives. But it, it's just to say that, you know, things when you sometimes think you're knocking your head against the wall and it's impossible to do, I think with enough forethought and patience, sometimes these things can happen. Let's talk about your trip that you did across the U.S. You did in 2012, uh, 9,000 kilometers. I believe it's from Boston to L.A. Give us an overview of the trip. Right. For a lot of people, particularly adventurers, you know, I, I get the impression, because I was very naive and I'd never done probably, and I'm not exaggerating, probably much more than 100 miles before this trip, Um, I really had no idea as to what I wanted to, if I hadn't have done the research, um, I think I would have really had a lot of problems. And there were a lot of places, and this was one of the reasons for the trip, there was a lot of um, places that I hadn't ever been to. And I had like a bucket list and basically a wish list of places I just wanted to go across the US um, using a lot of... um, funnily enough, old National Geographic maps that my father used to have and looking at these little tiny places um, where just to find out if they were still there. So the, the the trip itself, the route, I'd sort of pre-planned, but I'd still kept it very, very open. But I knew that because of the destinations and the mileage, um, I had a sort of an overview, as you say, a kind of a draft plan of the trip, which was going to take about eight weeks. So it was starting in Boston and the reason I started in Boston was because I'd lived there previously I had a couple of friends there and they very kindly agreed that I could be sort of put up for a few days just to get the bike prepared the bike had been shipped over from Los Angeles and again through contacts I'd made over that period of that few years I finally got in contact with Eagle Rider who I'm sure you know based in LA and at that time, they were only supplying Harleys, but they had literally that year just, I think, bought two Triumphs. And because of the fact that I was going to be going uh, across the US for a couple of months and because of the fact that it was, I guess, in some ways promotion for them, um, I had an incredible offer where they actually shipped the bike over to Boston free of charge, normally in a big truck that would, I think, accommodate something like 28 Harleys. It was delivered to a Harley Davidson dealership. And when they opened the truck, expecting all these Harleys to come out, uh, there was just one little triumph uh, with a notice saying, please keep the person until they turn up. They will be returning it back to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> so um, left left Boston. Um I think the first day, very, very intrepid, and I won't go into a lot of detail, but um, very intrepid. I I think I made quite a big challenging first day, um, which was, I think, turned out to be about almost 400 miles. But the problem primarily was the incredible storm front, which had been brewing from across the US. And um, unluckily, I got stuck in that down New Jersey. And then really, it was the dream trip of going, you know, east to west, um, really trying to keep off the main uh, highways, going through little villages, towns, up through the Blue Ridge Mountains, um, going through places like um, Memphis and Nashville, and then obviously into the great wilderness of the of the Midwest, which for me personally was one of the highlights. You know, people talk to you about 
particularly us Europeans, you know, we sort of say we've been brought up by watching these beautiful, you know, cowboy films and you think, oh, that can't be for real, you know. And I promise you there was days and days without exaggeration that I, I wouldn't encounter another vehicle. To have that sort of isolation and that intimacy with nature and everything around you um, was was magical. We don't get that in Europe. You know, Europe is so congested, you know, there's there's traffic everywhere. And to have that experience was was incredible. And um, the trip went then th up through to Salt Lake City. Um, I'd always had the dream to get the Bonneville onto the Bonneville Salt Flats, which um, I finally was able to do. That was amazing. And um, again, days and days going off, um, you know, small roads going ultimately over I think I had a, a two-month opportunity to get over the Tioga Pass which the extremes of the weather um, I think everybody sort of thinks oh it's summer in America it's going to be nice and warm um, were incredible Tioga the, the temperatures were freezing cold and I think I experienced that um, in about two or three other places across America so there were extreme temperature changes from literally a few hours you could be you know climbing into mountains and then going back down to the valley to excruciating heat um and then through tioga and then up into northern california and then down through obviously the uh, the famous uh, highway one to um los angeles we talk about on this show a lot about uh, definitions of adventure and what people consider an adventure. And, and a lot of people agree that anything that stretches your comfort zone is an adventure. And, and there you are, you've, you've mm. done up to you know, 100 kilometers or 100 miles of a trip, and now you're going to embark on this trip across the U.S. I mean, there's always something that if nothing held us back, we would just go do everything. What were the initial mm. fears for this trip? It's kind of funny. That there weren't actually any major fears in that perhaps I was being very naive and didn't know what to expect because I'd never done a trip like that. Um, fears possibly of um, what happens if the bike, you know, if I drop the bike, what am I going to do? How am I going to get it up? Um, fears primarily were when I think I started the trip, when I started getting into the first couple of days, I was starting to um, fear the 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 weather patterns see the weather patterns seem to be changing quite a bit and some of it uh seemed to be pretty dangerous i'd never been for example on american roads in extreme bad weather conditions primarily with these massive massive big lorries and it was it was you know the trucks um and the way that they brought up the water and it was it that was really dangerous um there wasn't really any fear of getting lost because i had the time to find the places there wasn't a danger of being, I don't think, uh, traveling on my own. Um, I traveled on my own quite a bit uh, for other um, trips, either for, for myself or for business. Um, and I think it's the way, particularly if you are a solo traveler, it's the way you present yourself to the outside world. You know, if you're communicative, if you're friendly, and if you sort of integrate in the places you're currently in and I'm not saying to try and be like a chameleon but in some ways you have to adapt to situations and I think in that itself that that helps a lot when you are on your own and um, other than that I was just very excited. <laughs> 
You mentioned the Ace Cafe, and I understand that the idea for this trip was born in the famous Ace Cafe in the UK. And for, for those who don't know, it's a, a very famous place to go for uh, motorcyclists. But you made a bucket list when you were sitting there, apparently. And what I'm curious is, what else was on that bucket list? What else was on the bucket list? What, as in besides going to America? Yeah, besides going to America. <laughs> well, that would be a, that would be a secret, wouldn't it? I'd have to divulge. But um, I, I think the the bucket list would be um, there was there were a few options. We were looking at possibly doing the Trans American trip, which would be going down into Latin America, not the normal sort of route, but to do more of the Atlantic coast. So you would go, you know, down sort of through Brazil, Argentina, um, and then go back up onto the other side. Other quirky things like um, visiting across Europe, the, the, the most beautiful sort of cafes. And there is a fantastic sort of, in fact, I've just been speaking to someone who did it recently, who took a, uh, a boat from southern England in a place called Portsmouth, which is a big sort of um, ferry destination to get you into, uh, into Europe. And uh, it takes you down to Bilbao or Santander, which is in northern Spain. And then the peninsula down through Portugal and Spain, going all the way down the tip of Spain, going back up into France and Italy along the Mediterranean coast. That was something which we thought was uh, sounded quite interesting. Um, so those were the those were the key things on the bucket list to plan the trip that you uh, wrote Bonneville go or bust about. What about it took four years? Was it raising the money? Was it just uh, getting caught up in life and finding that you're going on and saying, I've got to get back to that? The the reason it took me that long was, um, number one, there was my my job, the nine to five job. But it was it was primarily trying to sort of find out, first of all, in a very naive way, um, because I hadn't ever done anything like that before. How was I going to find a bike? And I know that sounds bizarre. But I, I couldn't I couldn't really do anything until I found the transport. Um, and I did the research about trying to transport my own bike over to the US, but it was it was going to be far too expensive. And because of my lack of mechanical skills, I think to have taken my own bike over there and expected to have been able to, you know, look after it would have been a little bit sort of um, challenging in itself. So the first challenge for me was to find the, the transport. I even looked at maybe buying a secondhand Triumph Bonneville over there and selling it over on the West Coast. But these bikes were just not turning up. I mean, it was impossible to find a Triumph Bonneville out there. And this is only, what are we talking about? This is only sort of four years ago. And I think there has been an explosion of um, Triumph sort of visibility more and more over there. So as soon as I was able to find the bike, I knew that the trip was something that was would be feasible. And then it was a question of, of saving the money from renting a spare room here, selling stuff, going to, um, you know, jumble sales. Um, and then finally to getting the, the courage to ask the people at my work if I could take time out um, and, you know, do the trip, which they they agreed on. And then it took me about possibly, you know, six months after before that to... Um, get the whole trip organized with uh, what I was going to be taking and uh, trying to plan the routes. You weren't just after any motorcycle, though. You were set on it had to be a Bonneville. <laughs> yeah, is that crazy? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my friends in Boston and um, bike people here sort of said, listen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be stupid getting a Bonneville. You know, the 
tank capacity already is so small it's not a long distance endurance bike really um, which I think in retrospect other people have actually disagreed with as well as I have and um, you know why don't you t why don't you get a Harley you know why don't why don't you use <laughs> and I, I hate to say this but I I wouldn't have done the trip if it was on Harley and it's not that I'm anti Harleys but for me personally I wanted the I wanted the the experience of a British bike over there. And I think sometimes when you're that focused, um, a compromise, I think, would have cheapened the effect. Well, I think anyone listening would instantly, you know, probably what pops into their head is, well, there's all kinds of rental bikes. I, I don't understand why you'd have trouble finding it. And, mm -hmm. and that's why I mentioned about your desire mm -hmm. to have the Bonneville. But that's a really neat thing. And as far as, you know, the Bonneville not being a suitable bike, almost anyone who does adventure travel will tell you that the perfect bike for you is the bike that you love and the bike that you're riding. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got people like uh, Ed March riding around in his Honda C90. So, I mean, you know, everyone mm -hmm. has a different idea of what is the ultimate bike. So an adventure bike can come in any shape or size. Exactly. And I think it's also, it's, it's, it's your little sort of comfort um, sheet, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think had I been on another bike that I hadn't been too familiar with, yes, sure, you can get used to it. But it was almost like, you know, it was almost like your best friend, you know, it was like the brother was in London, and I was, you know, on on its other brother in, in the US. I had, when I was, before I left, I was able to sort of equip the bike in London, I was able to, you know, sort of pack it right. So I knew that when I came over to the US, the actual preparation of the bike was going to be fairly straightforward, and I wasn't going to encounter any problems. That's interesting that you made that brother analogy because I think in your book you'd mentioned that that brother in the U.S. seemed to look a little bit better because it was a newer model. <laughs> it was. It was an 865cc, which I'm sure everybody knows is the new um, Triumph Bonneville T100, which um, that year, uh, 2012, they, they'd actually supplied me with a brand new one. So it was a, it was a lot more powerful. It was, um, it, I have to say, it, fantastic. And in fact, the last trip I've just come back from with Triumph a couple of months ago uh, was also on the same T100. Um, so... Yeah, it it had a lot more acceleration. It's um, it it's yeah, great. When you were sitting there planning for your route, um, you'd mentioned about taking back roads and things like that. But what were your objectives and your desire for the route when you're planning this? I think two the objectives were to be able to just explore um, roads that were fairly unknown, not to be totally sort of um making it difficult for myself but trying to sort of really try and looking at the at the routes um where was the destination i wanted to go that evening um and could i sort of find some interesting roads to take me that way and you'd lived as you'd mentioned in the us for a number of years i think it was four years so it was not totally unfamiliar yeah. to you but what did you learn about the united states and the people that you didn't already know through the motorcycle adventure you did Oh my God, so much stuff. You know, it, it's, I think that the, the thing with traveling solo is that you are an entity and the people you communicate with, therefore, are people you don't know. And the thing that I learned was that people just want to talk. I think they want to open up. And I think sometimes when they don't know somebody very well, perhaps they'll open up even more because they know, well, what we're going to tell that person, they don't know our friends, so it doesn't really matter. And I think that that in itself was amazing. The fact that the trip really got me to sort of see the Americana under its skin, um, to be able to go to places that even 
a lot of Americans didn't even know existed. Um, one fa- amazing example was a, a little place called Okmulgee, I think that's how you pronounce it, just east of Nashville. And this was just an incredible place that was an Indian reserve where they had these Okmulgee uh, native tribe Indians doing rodeos. I mean, I've never heard of of, of native Indians doing rodeos before so it was finding it was finding for me personally things that I didn't think even existed and how do you find it when you're coming into the town have you already planned what you're going to go see or do you sort of just ride through the town and have a specific thing that you always aim for no I'm spontaneous I you know if there was there was probably maybe three or four four or five things across the entire U.S. that I really wanted to go and see and do Um, but the rest of it you know I like spontaneity um, and, you know, I think sometimes when you're open minded and when you're spontaneous, particularly on adventure trips, um, not to have too much planned, that's when you sort of encounter things or you might go off onto another track or another road. And then you'll think, oh, my God, you know, this is what um, this is what something I hadn't planned for. And in a great example, as I was going up on one of the days was up the Blue Ridge Mountains and um, I'd actually turned off uh, and hadn't got into the entrance back up into it. Um, So I had to find an alternative route and the alternative route was a a small sort of parallel road, but way down below the the mountains. And that was probably one of the, one of the best roads I took on that trip because um, it was going into tiny little villages, tiny little sort of um, farming communities that again, wasn't normally a track or a route that people would take because they would have gone automatically up into the Blue Ridge um, uh, route itself up on the in the mountains. You'd mentioned that coming from the UK, you have a sort of a, a fascination with that Wild West and the, and the cowboy thing. Is, <laughs> was that a big part of the trip? I mean, you sort of want to go out there and say, you know, wh- am I going to find what I think I know? <laughs> Am I going to find John Wayne, you mean? (laughs) Well, I don't think you'll find him. (laughs) Um, I I think it was a great combination for me. I'm, you know, being an outdoors person, someone who who enjoys sport. um, And I'm also um, very, very into um, equestrian sports too and and horse riding. So the fact that um, I I could sort of go out there, get off the bike, but also, you know, um, experience the Wild West, you know, on horseback. And I was invited by some um some horse breeders out there was fantastic you know and you know galloping across the plains wow you know what what could be better (laughs) and you went through all kinds of amazing areas so give us a couple of your favorites some things that maybe you were really surprised with monument valley obviously i mean well obviously nothing is obvious but the the fact that i seem to always be and this is very bizarre i always seem to arrive at these places when nobody else was there, which in itself accentuates the actual atmosphere of this place. You know, had I arrived at somewhere like Monument Valley and I had been there with, you know, busloads of tourists snapping away and clicking away, um, you wouldn't have had that same experience. But the, the Monument Valley is actually, it's an incredibly spiritual place. And just sitting there and absorbing and breathing in um the entire atmosphere there was was spectacular, and you know the same goes for salt, uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats. Arriving there, there wasn't a single other person, and the fact of walking across the the crunchy, salty, salt ground and just hearing that um, in total silence 
um, you know, was incredible. So I think it's experiences that um, are unique. And I think, again, sometimes it's taking advantage of those opportunities and just absorbing them to its maximum. So where do you go next? What is your next adventure? There must be something going on, uh, some sort of plans going on for something to come up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I've just, you know, as you know, I've only just come back from the US a couple of weeks ago where I was invited by Triumph and I I did a 2000 uh, mile trip up through Florida, Georgia and Alabama for the, the barber show, which was great. And again, seeing parts of the US that I've never seen before. Um, I do have, a, I, again, I'm very, very affiliated with the US. I think the US is an incredible place where the majority of the place very few people know about. So the the idea would be potentially to encapsulate and do the four corners of the US. Um, I've already done the southeast, obviously, a few weeks ago. And again, with the same sort of um, idea of traveling on the roads lesser traveled, possibly down to the southwest, um, possibly the the Californian peninsulas, uh, back of California, possibly up towards where you guys are on the on the northwest, and then ideally to get the the last piece of the um, trip, which all wouldn't be done together. I mean, it would be obviously on consecutive either every year, every six months, whatever, um, up onto the northeast. So the idea is to have done the four corners of the U.S. on the roads lesser traveled. Any motorcycle journey changes the the rider, and I think always for the better. It seems to strengthen our love for riding and perhaps open our minds uh, to the world. How has this experience changed you, and, and ultimately your book, uh, Bonneville or Bus, how has it changed your life? Um, it's made me a very grateful person. It's made me realize that we have to take advantage of every moment we have. Um, I feel very indebted to everyone who supported me and believed in, in what I could do. It's given me inner strength. That The trip definitely has given me the inner strength to want to do something else. But amazingly, and again, this is what other people tell me too, is that the adventure, writing the book itself was an adventure and being able to complete it was an adventure. So I have definitely got lots of other ideas. Um, it's given me inspiration. It's given me belief that, um, you know, we can go out and do things. And uh, I feel there is a lot of support and belief with a lot of people who um, who have supported me before and uh, at this very moment. Clearly with the book, just looking at reviews online, like I mentioned, you know, you see five-star reviews everywhere and everyone is going on and on. As a matter of fact, they don't just write a little one-liner. They, I saw a lot of paragraphs <laughs> in there. I mean, people are really passionate about this. And a lot yeah. of them said, from what I saw, a lot of them were saying, hey, we want more from you. So is there <laughs> is there another book in the works? I mean, are you thinking that, hey, maybe this oh is something God. I have to do? Oh my God, it's so tough. It's like, it's like someone producing a film and saying, right, when's the next one? Is that tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, but you didn't produce a flop. That's the problem here. You produced something that went over really, really I, well. So, I mean, you're, I you're need, almost I, obligated. I need, I need to have some sponsorship. So, <laughs> I need to, I think I need to speak to Tribe. I have a few ideas floating around at the moment. But seriously, it's a question of time. It's a question of money. 
you know, we can't do these amazing things without these things. And um, any, I know, I know, particularly on the adventure side, you know, you hear these incredible stories of people going away and selling their house for a year and or whatever and coming back. You know, we all do actually, we are all normal people. We do have lives besides these adventures, um, you know, and I think that what I want to do is I want to ideally continue with these adventures but possibly, you know, there may be some cooperation, I'm hoping, with people like Triumph. Uh, and if that's the case, then um, definitely I would be looking to do another book. Well, then hopefully the people that are high up in Triumph that are the decision makers are listening to this because they'd be crazy to pass this up. They've got a person that, that communicates well, speaks well, produces a, a great book and, and has a wonderful idea. So hopefully they're going to be knocking on your door after we Thank air this you. show. For the average listener who has dreamed of an extended motorcycle ride of any kind, what advice would you offer? Anyone who has thought of doing an extended bike ride for some people, that could be a weekend rather than doing a day trip. For some people, it could be a week away going over to Europe or going across the state um, from your hometown. Um, prepare, but believe that you can do it. And I think there is no better experience to be able to pack a bike with overnight gear and know that where you're going to be going will not be the same destination from where you left that morning. And it's it's an adventure for everybody and it gives you that freedom of spirit. And I would recommend it to anyone who has that urge to want to see and do new things. So the book is Bonneville or Bust. It's a story about crossing the U.S. on a Triumph motorcycle. And I've been speaking with Zoe Cano. Zoe, thank you very much for coming on the show and talking to us on Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very, very much. Speak to you very soon. Well, this is a prime example of one of those adventures that um, she's retelling the story. She's telling you her story of her adventure going across the United States. And I really think it's worthwhile that you go and pick it up. Um, I downloaded it for my Kindle, and you can certainly get it at bookstores or whatnot. It's called Bonneville Go or Bus, and it's put out by Road Dog Publications. And of course, you can find out more about Zoe and her book, Bonneville Go or Bust, by visiting the show notes at Adventure Rider Radio. Well, that wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. I'm Jim Martin. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. Hey, you know, I always say you want to do Adventure Rider Radio a favor and go to the iTunes store. Do me a favor. Go to the iTunes store. Give us a rating. It'll only take you a second. Drop by the website. Send us some feedback. We've been getting lots of feedback, which is great. And most of all, if you know somebody who has a story, if you've got a story yourself, send us a note. We'd love to get you on here and let everybody hear your story. Adventure Rider Radio is brought to you by Canoe West Media.
Hi, this is Grant Johnson from HorizonsUnlimited.com, and you're on Adventure Rider Radio. 